got two readings this morning. First one is Isaiah 55, verses 1 to 9. And the second one will be Luke 13, 1 to 9. Invitation to the thirsty. Come, all who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you will have no money. Come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk, without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread, and your labour on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me, and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me, Listen, that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you, because you, because of the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel. For he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and our God for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Luke 13, 1 to 9. Now there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galatians, Galileans, those who, whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, your, your two, you too will all perish. Or those 18 who died when the tower in Salem fell on them, do you think that they were more guilty than all others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will, peri- you will all perish. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree, And haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year, and I will dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then I'll cut it down. This is the word of the Lord. Father, we pray for Tim as he brings your word to us.
for the preparation he's done and that the words he speaks will be your words. May we, hearing this, have open ears to listen and open hearts and minds to hear and live your word. In your holy name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Good morning. I want to start with a story this morning. An airliner was having engine trouble, and the pilot instructed the cabin crew to have the passengers take their seats and prepare for an emergency landing. A few minutes later, the pilot asked the flight attendants if everyone was buckled in and ready. All set back here, came the reply, except for the lawyer who's still handing out his business cards. It's funny to me, as I was that lawyer in a former life, trying to get business for the firm I worked for. It might sound funny, but in, real, in the real world, tragedies such as plane crashes, engine trouble, it happens. Perhaps the biggest tragedy of all at the moment is the war in Ukraine. It's people fleeing their country for safety. Perhaps the bigger tragedy of that is those that are trying to flee are being killed. Or perhaps those who, as we heard this week, were standing in a line to buy bread and were shot by Russian soldiers. Many are being aimlessly attacked and breaching conventions that govern war. It sounds strange though, doesn't it, that even something as war has conventions and things that have to be followed. Things that have to be stuck to. But from what we're hearing on the media, Putin seems to think he doesn't need to stick to them. So perhaps we might be asking the question... Where is God in all of this? Where is God in the situation in Russia and Ukraine? Why doesn't God come to the rescue? How might Jesus answer that question? Well, it was, it's not going to be because God is too tired. That simply running the universe just got a bit too much for him. Jesus could have also said something like, Well, I've told you, my father notices every sparrow and he numbers the hairs on your head. He was too busy counting, so he overlooked a few disasters. But what was Jesus' answer to why does God not do something to prevent tragedies to innocent people? Well, it's right there in Luke, the the second passage we had. He says, unless you repent, you will all perish. It's a nice comforting start to uh, the talk today. Is he avoiding the question though? Well, interestingly, Sproul in The Holiness of God says this. In effect, what Jesus is saying is that you are asking the wrong question. You should, be, you should be asking me, why didn't the tower fall on my head? Jesus rebuked the people for putting their amazement in the wrong place. Sproul continues, in two decades of teaching theology, I've had countless students ask me why God doesn't save everybody. Only once did a student come to me and say, there's something I can't figure out. Why did God redeem me? Are we asking the wrong questions? Are we asking the wrong questions? Why did God redeem me? Well, it's an interesting question. Particularly as we wait, perhaps with bated breath, what the outcome of the war is going to be. There have been threats from both sides of conflict escalating, and there have been, but there have also been reports of progress being made in the peace talks. But do how much can we believe what's coming out of Russia as we know how censored that they've become? And of course, we have to think of all those innocent Russians who are finding life very difficult as all the sanctions come into place. So where are we in Luke then? The, passage, the second passage we had. Well, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem when some who are present not only bring Jesus information about what's happening, 
But there are two questions that hang in the air from that. One, does Jesus intend to continue his journey to Jerusalem? And what does it mean? Is this the beginning of something worse? Sorry, there's the two questions. Oh, yeah, question. Does Jesus intend to continue his journey to Jerusalem? And what does it mean? Well, Jesus addresses a second of these questions. The first one is not answered until later in the chapter, when we discover that Herod is out to kill Jesus in Galilee. But Jesus knows he must get to Jerusalem. And the stern answer we get to that second question, unless you repent, you too will all perish. This isn't a warning that we will perish in hell after death if we don't repent. This is a warning for now. That if we don't repent, we're going down the wrong path. And if we keep on that wrong path, it will lead to destruction. It's a terrifying warning. And it reminds us that there will be consequences of not following Jesus in the here and the now. We then, after this terrifying warning, get the parable of the fig tree. It's worth noting that fig trees are often planted in vineyards as they were good for the grapes. Tom Wright explains that there are two ways of taking the parable, and both arrive at the same point. Perhaps Jesus himself could be the vineyard owner who is seeking the fruit of repentance throughout his ministry. He's prepared to give Israel, and particularly Jerusalem, one last chance. Alternatively, it's God who's been coming to Israel seeking fruit, and Jesus is the gardener, the servant who is now trying to inject some life and health into the old plant before sentence is passed. Those two ways of thinking about the parable lead to the same answer. If it doesn't bear fruit next year, you can cut it down. And interestingly, as we see in Luke, from chapter 10 onwards, he's reading it through the lens of when Jerusalem fell in AD 70, that it was a direct result of refusing to follow the way of peace which Jesus urged throughout his ministry. Perhaps this answer of, if not, you can cut it down, is relevant for us as a church in this season. In many ways, we've been that barren fig tree. We've had a barren time where we've been exiled in our homes. We've come back to the building. We've started looking at the vision. It's been on hold for over two years. And I, like probably the rest of you, are a bit fed up of talking about the vision. I just want it there and get going. But we have to go through the right process. We have to discern from God and we can't rush it. It looks like this year we're going to get further through the Bible course than when we attempted it in 2020. We got to session three last time, I think. Let's pray we get to at least session four. (laughs) But we see the questions that we should be asking in this time, in this moment, is what is God up to in our world today? What is God up to in our own lives? What is God up to in the life of the church? And are we all bearing fruit for God's kingdom? Now, not all of those questions are easy to answer. Perhaps some don't have an answer at the moment. What is God up to in our world today is incredibly hard to answer when we consider what's happening in Russia and Ukraine. The threat of nuclear war is not a nice thing to think about. Amanda and I like to watch the last leg on a Friday evening. And a few weeks ago, they showed a map of what would happen if a nuclear bomb was dropped on London. And I'm sorry to say that Luton would be affected. But we can't think about that. We can't go on thinking, but what if that happens? Because otherwise we would never live our lives. 
We can't live in that fear of what might or might not happen. We have to live with the peace of God which passes all understanding through all that we do. Perhaps it's easy to spend time thinking about the question, what's God up to? But in the end, we're not going to know that answer of what God is up to in the world because we only see our tiny little bit of him. As we read in Isaiah 55, the first reading, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. We perhaps don't know what God is up to. It's only with hindsight that we can see what he is doing and where he has been. However, when we look at our own lives, it can be slightly easier to see what God is up to. Of course, sometimes things happen in such a way that we don't piece it all together until much later. But often, we get that sense of when God is at work. It's important, and you know this, that we spend time at home studying the word of God and praying individually. That we're actively seeking God and discerning what he is asking of us. And we know that as we move through different seasons in life, what is asked of us might change. And it's a really important step for us to get right now, friends. To get right now. Because when we get it right ourselves, we can then start to see what God is doing in the church. Of course, God can work in the church without us. We know that. But if we get ourselves aligned with the will of God in our own lives, then we can get the will of God aligned in the church. Now, when I use the term church in this context, I'm thinking very much of here at Christ Church, particularly as we continue in this vision season and we start putting things into action. We need to be seeing what the Lord is doing, not so that we can get in the way, but so that we can get alongside him and work with him. If you like in the Greek, the missio Dei, the mission of God that we get alongside with and we work with rather than trying to stop things and get in God's way. If we go our own way, it might not be right for the church, and that will lead to destruction. But if we follow the way of God together, that can lead to fruit. In many ways, that question of are we bearing fruit for God's kingdom is one of the filters that we have to put everything we offer in this church through. Is what we do all bearing fruit for the kingdom? And if not, well, no, it goes. Or we review it and we change it so that it starts bearing fruit for the kingdom. That's what Jesus is telling us. If it's not bearing fruit, cut it down. But if it is, we can keep going. We're a small church with big ideas. And we have to make sure that with our limited effort, energy and resources, we're putting those into the right things. Otherwise, we'll spread ourselves too thin and we'll make ourselves difficult. It's quality, not quantity, of what we offer as a church in this season. Because we have finite resources, and we don't want to be doing too much so that things end up, we, we spread, are spread too thin. We ourselves get tired, and then we can't put everything in to what we are offering. Of course, though, when we look at this through that lens of the parable of the fig tree, those things that aren't bearing fruit might start to bear fruit. And we need to know when it's right to stop doing something and to cut it down or if we have to provide the fertilizer and watch it grow. 
Now, I have to be very careful what I say here, because I've preached in this passage before and ended up calling all the congregation manure, because the fertilizer is manure, and it, was, it slipped out. I'm not going to do that today. But interestingly, we need to look at where is the fruit coming from. Now, this week, I was chatting to Wendy, and she shared with me a picture that she'd had of a tree that had buds on it, and the sense that the buds were going to come into blossom in time. Perhaps that was, as we prayed about it, we thought, well, that's a picture for the church now with the buds on the tree in a season of spring. As we were talking, we looked out of the window and it was nice and sunny and I think the blossoms started to come through onto the, onto the trees outside. Perhaps as we've been through Nehemiah, that has been the fertilizer for our church. As we've explored Nehemiah, seeing what God did through him, seeing how Nehemiah led the people, seeing how they turned and worshipped the Lord, perhaps that's the fertilizer that has been down on the church ready as we get ready for what the Lord has in store for us so when we consider what God is doing in the world in our lives and in the church it can seem overwhelming Dean and I once said we feel like kids in a sweet shop because we've got so many ideas and actually we need to just say okay let's not look at all the sweets let's just go and let's start with this one And then we'll move on to the next one. But it's easy to get caught up, particularly when God is working. It's easy to get so caught up that we actually miss what we should be doing. The fact of the matter is, God is always at work. He is always at work in the world. He is always at work in you. And he is always at work in the church. We just don't see that because of our inherently sinful nature. We put the blinders on. We don't see the full picture. Or we use our relationship with the Lord in the wrong way. It happens, friends. There are times when we're so sure something is right and we say things like, the Lord has told me that I must do this. But if others don't see it, it might not be from the Lord. We can take it in the wrong way. That can be used to manipulate as well as to see what the Lord is saying. Matt, one of my friends who I'm sure you remember from when he was down here, he'd say, if people in his church go up to him and say, Matt, the Lord's telling me that I need to do this, Matt will usually turn around and say, well, guess what? The Lord's not telling me that, so no, you're not doing it. <laughs> Unless, of course, the Lord was telling him that that was the right thing to do. Obviously, you would, probably wouldn't say it like that in real life because, you know, we have to be pastoral. But you get the point. You, you get the point. It's times like this, though, when we have to go back to Isaiah and read those words again. My thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways, declares the Lord. Sometimes we might be asked to do things that seem very different to what we expected, and we question the Lord. But we need to remember that he sees the whole picture. If you think of the tapestry that God can see, we just see one line, our own weave working through. We don't see the other side. Or think of a jigsaw picture. We see our piece in the jigsaw, but we don't see the full jigsaw because that's what the Lord sees. We only see our little part. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways, declares the Lord. As we've been on this journey of the vision, I've started to see things for the church, and so have others. We've approached them from different angles, but there has been a commonality between them all. Which shows to me that the Lord is working and he is speaking through each of us. And as we think of those words of Isaiah 55, we see that what the Lord offers is that if we listen to his word, then we are inclined to come to him. We are drawn to him through the word. 
Think John 5, 24, I tell you the truth, Jesus says, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. Isaiah talks about seeking the Lord while he may be found. This is coming at a time when the um, at a time when the Lord has delivered his people from Babylon and brought them safely back to their own land. So how should we seek the Lord in this day and age, in 2022, with everything going on in the world around us? How do we seek the Lord? Firstly, we have to admit that we are sinners, that we fall short of the glory of God. No matter how hard we try, we will all fall short of the glory of God. We have all strayed away from God. That means we really need to repent. We need to turn away from the sin. And we need to return back to the Lord. We turn to God in faith. And believe his promise. That in his mercy he will pardon us. Repentance and faith go together. As we see in Acts 20.21. 20, repentance toward God. And faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. And actually when you look at the two readings we had today, repentance is clearly a theme of both of them. And I think it's something that we always need to be reminded of. Because it's often when we think that way, we start realizing the things that we do that we don't want to do, as Paul says, and the things that we do that we don't want to do. And you know the the bit in Romans But it's too easy then to start thinking and getting the human brain coming in and going, well, yeah, you're really bad, you're sinful. And then the enemy saying, yes, you are, you're no good, you're no good. But we need to remember in those moments that we are sanctified by God and that we are saints. Saints who sin, as one of my lecturers used to say. But it's a reminder that we need to keep returning to the Lord to seek him in all that we do so that we can see what he is doing in the world, in ourselves, and in the church. The parable of the fig tree is very relevant to me, it seems. After those two barren years we've endured, we're in a position where the ground is fertilized and the fruit, we're ready for the fruit to come. We're ready for that tree to start blossoming. We will try things in this new season. Some we will get right, some we will get wrong. We can't be afraid of taking risks. And that applies not just in the church, but that applies in our own lives as well. We have to take those risks. When the Lord says, I want you to do this, take the risk and do it. I had to take that risk. As you know my story about coming to ordination, I had to take that risk. And if I would not taken that risk, I don't know where I'd be now. If we never take risks... We never learn what failure is. And if we don't know what failure is, how do we know what success is? Friends, we have to take risks in this new season. We have to do things that perhaps might not feel right or might be very different to us. And we might fail. But equally, we might succeed. So what's God doing in the world? Well, it's really hard to answer that question with everything going on. What's God doing in the church? Well, look around and see. What's God doing in our lives? Well, that's a personal question. That's where we're going to come to an end today. What is God doing in our lives? The parable of the fig tree is relevant on so many levels. Within the church, we're looking to see what needs to be cut down and what might bear fruit. But what about in our own lives? 
What are the things in our lives that we need to stop? What are the things in our lives that need to be cut down? What are the things in our lives that are bearing fruit? I'm going to take a moment to reflect on our lives. Take a moment of silence. Think about it and ask the Holy Spirit to show you what is God, what is bearing fruit for the kingdom in your life right now? What is not bearing fruit? What needs to be cut down? What do you need to repent of? Have we got ourselves into bad habits that distance us from God? Because when we're distant from God, we bring some of those worldly ideas into the church and then the church becomes distanced from God. That's why it starts with us. So I want to take some time. Perhaps open your hands as you pray. Think what is the Lord saying to you. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you what you need to repent of, what you need to cut down. And ask the Holy Spirit, what is bearing fruit already? What part of my life needs fertilizing? So Holy Spirit, would you fall on us now? Would you fall on your people who are gathered here in Christ Church this morning? As we sung earlier, come Lord Jesus, come. Come Holy Spirit, come. Father, show us the parts of our lives that we need to repent of. Those parts of our lives which we need to cut down. And show us those parts of our lives that are bearing fruit. Holy Spirit, would you fertilize those parts of our lives that are bearing fruit for your kingdom? Come, Lord Jesus, we pray. We were singing all who are thirsty as, as Joshua. Just allow the Holy Spirit to come. I just had a sense of perhaps some of us have a heart, a heart in chains and we're not willing to let the Lord in. The Lord wants to unlock those chains around your heart. He wants to come in. He wants to deal with that pain and sorrow that you're feeling. He wants to bring you life. He wants you to bear fruit for his kingdom. He wants us to move forward united as a family with all the bits that we don't need cut away. So let the Lord into your heart allow him in to minister to you in those deep, deep places which you don't want to go. Allow the Lord to come Allow the Lord to bring you healing where it's needed, whether physical, spiritual. Come, Lord Jesus, come.